1: happy tuesday everybody hope you're doing well on another gorgeous day and afternoon here in the auburn Opelika area this is on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back my name is jacob goins with you for the next two hours here on espn 1067 inside the auburn plaza bar and lounge studio on a tuesday afternoon hope you're doing well uh lots to talk about today got some things to play for you today um it should be a great show um here as we are moving out of week three of college football into week four of college football. You've got NFL that's off and running now. Um, We also have baseball that is getting close to playoff time. So don't forget about baseball. And and part of that is uh, I've got a a clip from Brave today that I want to play for you today uh, with Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby. I know it's football season. Right. I get it. Football is it's it's in it's in full swing. Right. But baseball season is still happening and you have September baseball going on right now. And the postseason is right around the corner. And if you haven't been keeping up with what's happening with the Atlanta Braves, you need to know. All right. And so Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby going to talk to you about that in just a few minutes. Um, but Here's what's on the on the schedule for today. I'm going to play that for you because I want to get you caught up on the Braves as we get closer to uh, postseason baseball. Got some injuries, got some guys resting, um, getting you caught up on information with the Atlanta Braves. Then, as we've been doing on Tuesdays, I want to play you uh, the Hugh Freeze press conference from yesterday. I've got it split into two. Um, that way we can play a little bit, talk about it, play some more and talk about it. Um, the the big thing right now for Auburn, going into Texas A and M this weekend, is injuries. Um, Auburn has uh, some big big injuries, and in the one two, Keontae Scott. Um, that is that's a big injury, folks. Uh, I mean people. I don't think people are truly understanding how big of an injury that is. Um, Of course, I sit and talk with Keontae every single week, and so um, I wish him nothing but the best. I wish him a a fast, speedy recovery um, and and would love to see him back on the field sometime this season, but... Not 100% sure uh, what the timetable is there. So uh, we wish him nothing but the best. And from what I heard and have seen, everything went well yesterday uh, with the surgery on Keontae Scott. But um, you lose him in two facets of the game. You lose him on the defensive side of the football and you lose him as a punt returner. So uh, we are working on getting a new player for Tiger Takes that I sit down and talk with every single week that Bill and Dan play on the drive, and then I play it on my show on Friday. Um, we are currently working on getting a new player for that. Um, so uh, please just you know hold on on that, and we'll update you uh, as soon as we can. Trying to get this thing done by tomorrow. Um, that's when we're trying to get it done, because that's when it plays on the drive. So stay tuned for that. But we're going to play some Braves Today audio. Want to play Hugh Freeze's press conference. He had some really interesting things to say yesterday. We're going to talk about that as well. After we play a clip, talk about it, play another one, and talk about it, okay? That's what this first hour is going to be. Second hour... I've got my SEC power rankings going into week four, and man, have they changed dramatically. Um, I, I was, look, some things have really changed in this conference over the last week or so, and the team that I had pretty much bottom feeding has shot up the ranks thanks to a nice win over the weekend a win that they desperately needed a win that their coach desperately needed as well and I'm sure you know who I'm talking about so in the second hour going to give you my updated SEC power rankings before Daryl Dapritz joins me on the phone lines at 3:30 to talk about Auburn recap the game from over the weekend talk about these injuries and what Auburn has to do to get a win this weekend at Kyle Field there in College Station. So that's what's on tap today. Starting out, want to get you uh, caught up on the Braves. Here is Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby with the Braves Today podcast. Go check them out. That thing is growing like crazy. They do a fantastic job. Uh, Lindsey writes all their articles over there at Bravetoday.com. They do a podcast after every series. Um, and there's some interesting notes in this one this week about what's happening with the Braves as September begins to wind down and postseason baseball approaches. This is Braves Today and the Braves Today podcast.
2: He's Lindsey Crosby. I'm Ben Taylor. I'm also freaking out. And the one reason being, two reasons being, excuse me, there's three <laughs> reasons, reasons now. Uh, Ronald Ron Acuna Jr., uh, Max Freed. We've been swept by the first National League team of the entire year. What is going on with the Braves organization? Should we trade everybody and fire Alex Anthopoulos at this point? <laughs> OK, so one thing at a time.
3: Uh, <laughs> Ronald Acuna Jr. comes out of the game on Friday with calf tightness. That's what they said it was, it was calf tightness. Uh, he he said it felt to him like a cramp. Yeah. Uh, they held him out for the weekend and some of Snickers comments when he was talking to whether it was the pregame show on the radio broadcast, mm-hmm. whatever it was, was that Miami plays on turf and there's always that's a big topic of conversation in the NFL right now. But yeah. there's less give on turf. It's less forgiving uh, and it's less there's less comfort if you happen to fall on it as you're running things like that. And so they wanted to kind of hold him out so that he didn't aggravate it on the turf. Uh, Snicker said before Sunday's game, Ronald was going to work out on the grass at Truist Park on monday mm-hmm. before they decided whether or not to play him on monday night so uh, they have indicated there's no reason to think he's gonna have to go on the il this is a small thing if they thought he was gonna go he was gonna go on the il they probably would yeah, done have done that, that over done the weekend so yep. i would imagine i mean i think probably knock on wood worst case scenario is maybe he misses monday's first game but i think he'll be fine for the rest of the series and ultimately i think he'll be fine for the postseason i don't see any need to worry about this lingering too long. And I I think if 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 all of these games mattered as far as trying to win the division or make the postseason, he probably would have seen Ronald back in there by Sunday. But mm-hmm. I think this is just them being a little cautious.
2: Do they scale him back because of uh, you got your your stolen base? Uh, you know, we've been talking about that 70-40 type deal. Do, do, do they scale him back or do they let him – is it one of those things if he gets to second can get him a walking lead then they don't care if he tries to take third but do they want him pushing off and, and trying to take second and possibly injuring that calf muscle with the playoffs looming
3: um good luck on getting ronald acuna jr to play the game not as hard <laughs> i yeah. i don't i don't i think part of the reason they've been cautious is because they know you can't ask ronald acuna jr to go out there and play at half speed mm-hmm. and so if there's any concern that he needs to be cautious for a couple of days. They'd rather just not play him versus asking him, "Hey, do you mind not going out there and stealing bases? Do you mm-hmm. mind?" You know. And so, I I think it's more of that than anything else.
2: Problem number two, Max Freed skips the start. They're going to have him in a cast with his hand before it's all said. I'm just kidding. That yeah. that is not true. Somebody's yeah. going to hear that and and freak out. No, it, it turns out that it was. That they even caught the blister before it became a blister from what they were saying.
3: Yeah. So when you have that that contact and that rubbing, it's something where you can feel it on the skin, where it gets a little smooth. It gets red and irritated and you're going to get a blister there. They caught it early. They called it a hot spot, but mm-hmm. they caught it there. He got treatment, everything. They're going to skip this start against Philly. They they did say he would start this weekend against Washington perfectly fine. They feel like this is a, a done issue. They've taken care of this. They are fine. It is done. And so that is a that is something where, OK, great. We've taken care of this. There's no reason to worry about it. Uh, it thinking about this, like Freed had these issues earlier in his career, right? He had mm-hmm. some blister issues yes. early. This reminds me of remember how back when he first came back, he shaved his head because he hadn't been pitching all spring and summer. And so like he wasn't acclimated to the heat. This feels like this may be another scenario where he wasn't quite acclimated to pitching every, you know, throwing the ball every other day for six months because he was shut down for two and a half months in the middle of the season. So Mm -hmm. I've had these exact same little hotspot things before. I think it's fine. Nothing to worry about. They caught it. It's treated. We're good.
2: Freak out number three. The Marlins swept the Braves first national league team to do so uh, over the weekend. They'd been swept twice earlier in the season. I'd totally forgotten about it till you brought it up before. Cause one of them just really upset me and got off with me The Toronto sweep uh, the Houston sweep I actually forgot about um, honestly. Uh, but it, another reason that I think I told you earlier in the pods earlier in the year, that's why I hate American league and inter- I hate interleague play because there was nothing to win and then Atlanta gets swept twice. But this time should Braves be Braves fans be concerned at all about what took place over the weekend?
3: I think if anything, it's a good reminder for us that a short series can be fluky and anything can happen. And when you get into the postseason, like one bad series and you're done, it's, it's different than getting through the regular season. I don't think there's any big takeaways from that. Uh, Miami is they're hot right now. Obviously, they're fighting for for postseason seeding. They're trying to make the wild card. I believe right now they're maybe half a game back in the wild card standings. As as far as not even being in right now, and so uh, they're they're hot. They got Jorge Soler back, Josh Chisholm, mm. Luisa Rice figured out how to hit a home run. It was nuts. <laughs> Uh, I do think that's an isolated thing. You, I don't mm-hmm. think that's going to be any sort of long term issue. This is fluky stuff happens. I mean, Marcelo Zuna had that same series when Atlanta went down there to start off May, right. and so stuff happens. They exercised a lot of demons. You know, they 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 got destroyed by Atlanta in just about every game until this series. So inevitably, it was going to flip the other way. And I I do think when you don't throw Freed, you don't throw Strider. You know, you have Schuster being one of the guys that gets victimized. It's like, okay, well, you know, it's this isn't what we would do in the postseason. We wouldn't have Schuster starting game one of a postseason series if we faced Miami. I don't think it's anything huge to to hold your hat on and say, yeah, be concerned about this.
2: And look, I know that they had a day off before they traveled down there and they still partied hard and all that kind of stuff. Coming off an emotional roller coaster of a win, securing the division, Making it six in a row, you got to feel that maybe it was time for them to kind of sit back and go, all right, let's breathe for a second. I know that it's at the expense of possibly some losses. Not that they were going out looking to lose, but they weren't pressing either. They weren't, uh, it wasn't one of those things where everybody, people were getting pumped up in the locker room or somebody, you know, down in the clubhouse was getting on to somebody going, you got to do the little things. You got to do this. You got that that kind of conversation did not happen down in Miami. It was probably one of those things where it's like, look, we're not saying we're going to mail it in, but we're also, not going to play the MVP candidate. We're going to let him rest. We're going to make sure some people like Lopez get some time on the mound when it's 14 to 2. I mean, <laughs> we're we're going to we're we're going to do some things a little different before the end of the season. We'll get to that momentarily. Again, not pressing down in the Miami series. However, it, it, home field is preferred, but at what cost? Now, what 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 do the Braves do going into these last few series to end the season because I mentioned in the notes that I sent you, and you and I talked about this before, you more than anybody have said, you got to be careful what all you show the Phillies because we see them a lot, and that could be who you face in the playoffs.
3: Yeah, I mean, it, at the end of the day, I'm not incredibly sad that Max Fried won't pitch against the no, Phillies. Not at all. Simply because now it's just going to be that much harder for them to be ready for him if they face him in the postseason. The way that Correct. things shake out, uh, if they win their, their wildcard series, they would come to Atlanta for a for a matchup. And I don't Mm -hmm. necessarily love that. But your starters this week would be Wright, Strider and Elder. And honestly, I wouldn't hate if they found a way to save Spencer Strider too. Mm find a way to get him onto a different schedule, give him a a break, push him back to the National Series or something just so you don't have to let them see Spencer Strider again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's it's something where I'm not saying skip a start. Obviously, I want Strider to have a chance to beat John Smoltz's record, but be cognizant of the fact you there's a very good chance you're going to play them in the postseason. It's very unlikely they're going to fall all the way to the number three seed for the card. They're up, I think, three and a half or four and a half games in the wild card standing. So, hmm. you know, Kyle Wright's going tonight. Elder on Wednesday. That's fine. Uh, one of those guys will probably end up pitching a postseason game. If it goes that long, the series hmm. does. But like if you can find a way to save Strider on, on Tuesday, I wouldn't hate it either.
2: Yeah, I, I love that idea. Uh, not so much predictions, but let's talk about goals and what the Braves need to look at doing these last two weeks with Phillies. Got Washington twice. Got the Cubs. Which is there any chance we could face the Cup? We could possibly face the Cubs. Uh, so you got You're in that same scenario pitching wise as far as postseason is concerned.
3: Yeah, and for the Cubs, you've seen them a lot less this season than you've right. seen Philadelphia. So it's it's a little bit different there. I'm not as worried about showing them stuff. Uh, I would love to not let them, you know, face off against Max Fried Mm -hmm. just simply because I don't think he was even active when we played them last. Uh, But goals for this week and for the rest of the season, for me, really, obviously, home field's big, but I want to see one of the catchers get going. Uh, Wrote this up on Braves today on Monday, talking about both of these catchers. They were incredibly hot going into the all star break. Sean Murphy was batting 306. He had 17 home runs. Uh, right now, in the second half, he's batting 181. He has three home runs. Wow. Travis Darnot, uh, and that's in 34 games. Travis Darno's played 31 games. He's batting 175 with three home runs. And so I don't know exactly why it looks like they were a little bit lucky early in the year. And by lucky, I don't just mean like that's my opinion. Looking at batting average on balls in play, you know, when you put a ball into play, do you get on base or not? They're Both Both of them had a batting average on balls in play over 300 in the first half. And typically, the only way you see a guy with a sustainable batting average or BABIP that's high like that is if they're incredibly fast and can beat out infield singles and right. things like that. And that's not these catchers. So mm-hmm. some of it's just the luck normalizing. Both these guys are down to, it's like 198 for Travis and it's 209 for Sean. But I think also some of it might just be some of the playtime. Early in the year, obviously, Murphy got almost a month where he started every single day. And then when both guys were healthy, it was Sean Murphy. played the first two games of a series, Travis would play the third. Mm-hmm. And as we got into the summer, Brian Snitker started rotating those guys in a little bit more often because it's so hot. Obviously, it's a physically demanding job. And so part of me wonders getting less consistent play time. I think Sean Murphy I saw has only had maybe three or four times where he's pitched back to back in, uh, where he's played back to back in the months of July and August, maybe it's just a playtime thing. Maybe mm-hmm. you know Murphy needs to go start three four games in a row to get back into the groove. But we just need somebody to do it in the next couple of weeks before we get into the postseason.
2: Mine is similar, but more as a team is I just would like to see some consistency down the stretch. I'm not really worried about this week. I mean, a, a lot of people are going, "Oh, it's the Phillies. You got to you got to beat the." I'm I'm not. I'm not honestly. Phillies, Nash, Nationals, I'm not really worried about this week, but I am big on getting hot at the right time, and I really would like to see going into next week the Braves going more on the upward trend, not that not the downward trend. That goes for the team in general, whether it's the catchers uh, getting getting um, some better at bats, whether it's Ozuna coming back around and us getting another Marcel May, Arcea becoming that guy that, you know, everybody wants to see that or does not want to see come up late in the game because he just ruins the careers of middle relievers uh, whenever they're in there and he he comes up late with runners on so I want to see that trend start to head up if not against the Phillies and Nats definitely starting on Sunday or Monday as we head into next week and and start to get at least play on a consistent better basis than than what we've done again not to freak out because of the sweep because as i said i call that a hangover sweep uh just because of winning and pressing down the stretch so we shall see
1: so that is, again, the Braves Today podcast uh, with Ben Taylor and Lindsey Crosby. It's been way too long since we've had Lindsey in the studio. Really need to uh, get him back in here since the season is coming to a close and the postseason is upon us um, for Major League Baseball. Braves have, I've been saying this, right? I've been saying it. the Braves have some issues that they've got to get figured out. They are the favorites to win it all. There's no doubt about it. But they have to fix some of these issues and get ready to go before they get into postseason play. I still think they can do it. I, it's going to be my pick is to pick them uh, to win the World Series, but... Yeah, they got to fix some of these problems. And so, uh, Lindsey Crosby, Ben Taylor, they talk about it better than anybody. Go check it out if you want more Braves content, uh, daily articles. They post all their podcasts there as well. Bravestoday.com. When we come back, talk to a little bit uh, about Auburn. Later on, want to start playing you some of the Hugh Freeze uh, press conference. Don't think we'll play the whole thing, but definitely probably the front half of it. Um, that's where I had a question in there. Bill had a question in there. Um, so, We'll play that coming up in just a little bit. We'll talk about what Freeze had to say and really just looking across the landscape of college football. A few things I want to talk about uh, when we come back. Deion Sanders had some comments today uh, about the Colorado Colorado State game. I want to talk about that? Plus the uh, just terrible injury last night in Monday Night Football from Nick Chubb of the Browns. If you saw it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, it was it was nasty, man. It was it was really really nasty. So um, we're going to talk about those two things when we come back before later on having some of Hugh Freeze's press conference and then later on in hour number two SEC power rankings for me uh, coming into week four. And then Daryl Dapperich will join me on the phone lines. But until then, phone lines are open for the next couple of minutes. Would love to hear from you on a Tuesday afternoon. 334-321-1390. What's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Call in and be a part of the show and be on the line. 334-321-1390.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN 1067 app.
1: All right, back inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge studio here for the Tuesday edition of On the Line. My name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 1067. Hopefully you enjoyed the uh, Braves Today podcast. Always thanking those guys and thankful that they allow me to play that. Uh, Don't always get around to doing it, but uh, I think it's important for, and I know we got a lot of Braves fans here in town, so I definitely want to make sure that you guys are up to date and caught up on that. I don't get a chance to talk about it uh, a whole lot, so Whenever I do have a chance to, uh, to let those guys handle it, uh, they can talk about it better than anybody. So go check it out, bravestoday.com. But a couple of things I wanted to talk about while we have a few minutes. Um, first of all, okay, first of all, in college football, I've been talking about this. Everybody's been talking about this. Colorado, okay? And I know there are people that are going to say, come on, let's talk about something else. And you may be tired of hearing about Colorado, but guess what? America still cares. And it's kind of crazy. At this point, I will be honest with you, it's kind of wild that Americans are still this invested in this Colorado story. And how do I know that? How do I know that they're still invested? Because TV ratings came out from over the weekend. In Colorado, in Colorado State, the game that started at like 9 or 10 o'clock at night and didn't go off the air until 2.30 in the morning Eastern time, had the most views of the entire weekend. Of any game across week three of college football, it had the most views and it wasn't even close. There was over 9 million people tuned in to watch that game on Saturday night. Crushed all the late game records, viewership records, for any college football game late night on ESPN. And it is kind of crazy. And I, I think there's a lot of people at this point where they're like, when is it going to end? Right? Like, it's been a great story. It's been a great thing to follow and keep up with. But it's like, man, when is it going to end? Well, I've been saying already that Colorado will get humbled this weekend. They play in Eugene, taking on the Oregon Ducks. And look, I know that not many people gave Colorado a chance to beat TCU, and they did it. Right? And then They were favored against Nebraska and Colorado State, and they won both of those games. They are three touchdown underdogs this weekend in Eugene, and I think that's what's going to happen. I think Oregon's going to roll in that football game. And so the hype will probably drop a little bit, but the viewership numbers have been insane. I mean, the the college game day numbers on television – Um, The the, the game itself when Colorado's playing, I mean, it's been kind of crazy. But we know some of the biggest storylines that came out of that Colorado-Colorado State game, one of them being, really the biggest one, being that Travis Hunter, their star two-way player for the Colorado Buffs, got taken to the hospital on Saturday night because of a late, nasty hit early in that football game. Henry Blackburn is a defensive back for Colorado State. And after a, a pass attempt down the sideline, fell incomplete, four or five seconds after the play, Blackburn came up basically, basically out of nowhere and upended Travis Hunter. He fell to the ground, and he would eventually be taken to the hospital. And he's out significant time, according to Deion Sanders. I talked about how nasty the hit that was. I talked about how he should have been ejected immediately, You had people calling for him to never play the game of college football again. I think that's a little excessive, but he shouldn't have finished that game. Here's what else is excessive and just completely unacceptable he started receiving death threats after that hit. After that play, he started receiving death threats because of it. That's insane. Nothing that you can do on a football field should get you death threats from other fans. Deion Sanders had something to say about that. In his press conference today, he came out and defended Henry Blackburn. Said he's a good player who played a phenomenal game. He made a tremendous hit. You could call it dirty. You could call it he was just playing the game of football. But whatever it was, it doesn't constitute that he should be receiving death threats. He said we've forgiven him. Travis Hunter's forgiven him, and so should you. That's a class thing to say from Deion Sanders in his weekly press conference. I was impressed. Speaking of press conferences, we'll have part one of Hugh Freeze's press conference from yesterday when we come back. Then we'll talk about it here in hour number one of the Tuesday edition of On The Line.
0: You are on the line with Jacob Goertz on ESPN
1: 1067,
0: Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: We are halfway through our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. Well, yesterday it was Monday, which means Coach Hugh Freeze for Auburn football had his weekly press conference recapping the, g- the uh, game before and previewing the game up ahead. And, of course, uh, Auburn opening up SEC play this weekend with a trip to Texas A&M. Uh, his entire press conference was about 20 minutes long, so don't have time to play the whole thing for you but the front half is really interesting includes his short opening statement I got some good questions in there I have a question in there that I think he gave a really 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 good answer to uh, that I want to talk about so got about about 10 minutes of that then I'm going to come back talk about it we'll wrap up the hour talking about what he had to say in the press conference and just some of the concerns for this Auburn football team Um, and the fact that They've got to get some things figured out, folks. I'm just letting you know right now. So uh, give me a call if you have some things you want to talk about or comments, questions. Uh, I'll take callers after I'm done with this, but if you want to call in and talk about it, uh, I'd love to hear from you. 334-321-1390. This is the start of Hugh Freeze's press conference yesterday. Some good questions and some really, really good answers in here. We'll talk about it uh, when it's over.
4: Uh, excited to be 3-0, and another great crowd at Jordan-Hare, and uh, thankful for our great fans, students, band, cheerleaders. Um, just um, continue to be amazed by the support that you receive here at this place and um, excited about any time we get to play at home. And obviously uh, we've got to go on the road this week, but um, thrilled to be at 3-0. and There was uh, some good things and then some things we've got to improve on for sure. Um, we uh, played a lot of kids, which was good. Um, but a lot of young kids tend to make mistakes, and we, we had quite a few of those also. And uh, we've got to continue to work on not turning the ball over, particularly in the red zone. And um, that was really out of our possessions. We had offensively, outside the uh, two turnovers, we were pretty efficient offensively. Um, defensively, I thought we were solid. Uh, particularly with the older guys, um, and there was a lot thrown at them. They had a good plan to try to stay close and shorten the game and uh, thought our older guys did fairly well with it. Um, but younger guys made some a lot of mistakes, truthfully, and we've got to bring them along because we're going to need them as the season progresses. Uh, but excited to be 3-0 and and head into conference play.
5: Uh, Coach, can you talk about the run game for a second? You seem to be rotating a lot of backs right now. We're seeing the young guy, Jeremiah Cobb, get a lot of time. Jarquez missed the first game, so he kind of started slow. Like, What do you expect to, to see from your running backs on Well, Saturday. we
4: we really uh, didn't, didn't run the ball as well as I'd hoped in this past game, but some of that, they were committed to stopping the run. I mean, they were really anchored in there and uh, bringing the safeties down to the box. Thus, we got some explosive pass plays, but... Um, you know, we've said all along we feel good about that room, and I think it's important that we keep them fresh and and uh, rotate those guys and try to play to some of their strengths and like all four of them and like Sean, too. So we'll, we'll continue to keep rotating them and trying to use them in different packages. And, and uh, Jeremiah really gives us some flexibility to I think he can do a lot of things that we haven't even you know really gotten to yet, even in the past games. So... Um, he's dangerous with the ball in his hands. So we we will continue to explore ways to to get our best guys on the field
1: He's not available. Where do you go? Or at Jay,
4: you know, yeah, we were actually um, You know down, you know vars our second and he couldn't play and so we're down to our third guy and we've got to we got to get some reps this week. Unfortunately, uh, Keontae did not get a good report, and that's uh, that hurts us a lot. He's our leader back there, and he's going to have surgery today. And um, just uh, hadn't been a good year for us with injuries. Losing him and Keys on the defensive side is uh, it stings and it hurts. And um, you know, our prayers are with him for quick healing for sure. But we'll be without him for a considerable time.
1: Hugh, when you look at Texas A&M defensively, they rank third nationally in in third down defense. What is that? How does that concern you about what you're going to face on third downs this Saturday, and then for your offense, just trying to convert those on the road?
4: It's uh, a great concern. I, I want to be really clear. You're, we're playing a team. Uh, I've, I've, I'm, I'm probably too candid and honest sometimes for some people, but let's let's just be really clear. We're getting ready to play three teams that have over the last four to five years, ranked in the top seven to five in recruiting. All right, so you're playing the best recruits in the nation, and um, we're going to be there soon, and that doesn't mean you can't compete and doesn't mean you can't win the game and all of that, but... There's a reason they're third in the nation in, on third-down defense is they've got a bunch of five stars in the defensive line and at linebacker and at safety and at corner. I mean, they're really, really talented. And when you put on the film, you see that. I mean, their they're closing speed's incredible. Um, they're physical up front. And it's uh, it's a tall, tall challenge for us in year one to, to – you know to stand toe to toe with A and M and Georgia next week, and LSU the following week. That it's um, um, it's our goal to get there, but that's what reality is. Is is we have we've had about eight months to recruit a half a class, and you know these others have been stacking it, and um, that's why they're ranked third in the country in third down defense. Is they're incredibly talented. Um, I know you, uh, you talk, addressed a little of the injuries, but you guys are pretty banged up. Yeah. Uh, is, is Donovan going to be ready? I know it's early in the week. You may not know the uh, um, status of some of the guys. And then how do you handle practice this week with so many guys banged up? Yeah, that's a great challenge. Uh, We've got to get some young guys ready. And uh, they're going to get baptized uh, into the SEC pretty good in, in front of uh, A&M's crowd and, and the talent on that team. So, you know, Keontae, we went through. He's you know, Xavion and Stutz didn't finish the game the other night, so don't really don't really know where where they stand right now. I think DK will be fine, um, but uh, boy, we ne- we need all these guys come Saturday. So hopefully uh, we'll have a good week of. Of rehab and um, and they'll be ready to go, but it's, uh, it's 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 concerning right now the list that they, they give me this morning. We saw we saw Jalen
1: get back there and, and catch a punt and and do pretty solid work. Is is. How much is he involved in this, and and that yeah. veteran presence may be helpful back there, especially. Yeah,
4: he's road. he's going to be really really valuable for his presence in the back end right now. And then we'll 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 start catching punch with a lot of different people today. Coy Moore has done it. Caleb uh, Burton has done it. Um, we'll get on the jugs twice this week and and make sure we feel comfortable with who that is. And and Jalen may be one of them too.
1: You guys have forced multiple turnovers in each of your first three games. It's the first time Auburn's done that in four years. Just how important is that to have that kind of mentality in defense, especially with those really talented teams you've got got coming up on the schedule?
4: Yeah, I mean, that would be a blessing if we could continue that trend to get some turnovers in these games, particularly on the road, would be extremely helpful, particularly if we can take care of the ball. We've got to continue to work on that. But, um, man, turnovers would play a huge role if we could pick off a few of those uh, in this game.
1: On Saturday, it's an 11 a.m. kick on the road. People like to say that the, the road teams benefit from early kickoffs. How do you get your team ready for this, uh, another road trip? It's the SEC opener. And since it's an early kick at 11 a.m.?
4: Well, I love early kicks on the road. Uh, I think our kids will. I don't think that's uh, – I don't think that's a huge challenge. Truthfully, it's the same time zone. We'll we'll uh, put them to bed a little earlier, Um, eat a little earlier. But we did that all fall camp. You know, we started early, Uh, so it's truthfully will be just like a fall camp day. So I I don't think there's a huge adjustment to that at all, and I, I like the early kicks. Hey, you questioned about your first uh, red zone uh, possession in the last game? I think it was first and goal from the one, and you started passing the ball. Were you kind of experimenting there, or like walk me through that? Yeah, I was disappointed in that a little bit. So, um, I, I don't, th- I don't mind the first one. Truthfully, I, I didn't like the second one. I think we've, uh, you know, we've got to, you know, probably approach that differently. And I think I've made that clear. So, um, and. You know, sometimes you put it in your quarterback's hands, and he probably know, needs to needs to know. But I I think we should put it on us for that, and don't give him that option if if we're not okay with him throwing it.
5: Uh, Coach, you made a concerted effort to move the ball through the air on Saturday. Uh, Texas A and M had the best pass defense in the league last year. You talked about the talent that they have. Um, you know what. What are you guys working on this week to continue to progress there? And you used a lot of wide receiver combinations on Saturday as well, too. Um,
4: yeah, we're still learning who we are, truthfully, in the wide receiver room. So I think that will continue to be a rotation there. Um, I, I, you know, the biggest goal for this week against such a talented team and one that's really, really good on third down is you've got to keep yourself in third and manageable you can't, you can't survive in, in the third and longs. So you're not going to drop back and, and win a lot of uh, routes against them. They're, they're really talented. So we've got to keep it in third and manageable, hopefully short, um, to where we can run or pass.
1: Some interesting comments there, don't you think? Head coach you Freeze yesterday in his weekly press conference on Mondays, that was uh, pretty much the first half of it. Um, some interesting, yeah, just some interesting answers. And again, I say this—I feel like I say this every week—I love, 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 love attending Hugh Freeze's press conferences because he answers the questions folks. He answers the questions. It's so nice. And I'm not saying this is not throwing shade on former Auburn coaches or any coach in particular. This is one of the very few times that I've ever had a head coach or heard a head coach answer the question that you ask. Sure, there's a little bit of of quote-unquote coach speak in there, but he'll give you the answer and he'll tell you what he thinks about it, good or bad. And I love that about him. I respect that about head coach Hugh Freeze because it's it's nice. It it makes our jobs easy. Um easier, I should say. Um it gives you, the listener, the fan, inside access and 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 you really get to put yourself into what Hugh Freeze is thinking about this football team right now. And I really, really like that. I really do. So shout out to him uh for for being just open like he is so far in press conferences. Um, My question early on in that yesterday, I asked him about Texas A&M, who ranks third in the nation in third down defense. Now, I know that it's only three weeks in, but still, they've played a Miami team, a game that they lost, but they played a good Miami team, and through three games, they rank third in third down defense and so I asked him I said you know how do you prepare for that how does how does that does that concern you and what's the game plan and he went a different direction than I thought he would he talked about playing teams that basically have better players better recruits not necessarily better people don't obviously know anything about that but Just comparing recruiting classes from previous years and the guys that are on the roster, when you compare Texas A&M's roster right now, comparing it to Auburn's roster right now, recruiting-wise, yeah, Texas A&M's a lot better. And that's what Hugh Freeze is trying to say right there. He's talked about A&M, Georgia, LSU. Like, those are legitimate programs that have better recruiting classes than you have if you're Auburn over the last few seasons. And so... He understands that. He wants you, the fan, to understand that and realize that just because Texas A&M has lost a football game or just because they may not look as great as people thought they might be, it's still a really good team. It's still a really, really talented team. And so it's going to be a struggle is what he was talking about is how you're on the road in the SEC. You can't get yourself in third and longs. Anything more than five or six yards on third down, and you're asking for trouble. You're asking for trouble because the defense is going to come. They're going to come after you if you're the quarterback Peyton Thorne. It's tough to run the football on third and long. Unless Auburn is just having a great day, don't expect them to run it on third and long very often. You've got to find guys to get open, which I think Auburn has been struggling with to find go-to receivers to get open in the passing game. So on the road in a hostile environment early on, on Saturday against Texas A&M, Auburn has to avoid that. And you could say that for every game, sure. But your SEC opener, the first true hostile environment that you're going to be in in 2023, you have to avoid third and longs with a defense that has proven already they're one of the best in the country at getting teams off, of third, off the field in third down. Auburn has to find a way to get around that. The other thing that caught my ear, and it's a really big concern for Auburn, is the injury bug. Auburn has caught the injury bug bad. And I think it may be worse than what people are really thinking and considering. We'll talk about that when we come back. We'll wrap up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 106.7. What are your thoughts? Give me a call. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We'll talk about the injuries that Auburn has on this football roster right now, how it will affect this Saturday's game and moving forward in the SEC. That's coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Wrapping up hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I talked about before the break how Auburn football opening up SEC play on the road at Texas A&M. This has a chance to be a really, really good football game. I'm really excited about it. Um, Am I nervous and worried for Auburn? Sure, Um, but I think the offensive performance, at least throwing the football this past Saturday, gave me a little bit more confidence that this team can go on the road and win the game. We know Auburn or any road team has to be able to run the football, establish the run, and there is a little bit of concern there based off of What didn't appear to be a good running day for Auburn against Sanford, uh, the numbers would would say otherwise, but I don't know. Just visually, it didn't look all that impressive to me personally. But we know Auburn has a good running game. I mean, Jarquez Hunter, Damari Austin, Jeremiah Cobb, those guys are electric, and those guys are going to help Auburn win some football games this fall. But here's the problem. You've got guys banged up everywhere. I mean everywhere on this football team. The big one is Keontae Scott. Keontae Scott's injury is very, very, very significant to this football team because he's a two-way player in in the fact that he plays really good defense as a defensive back. He's a starter. He's a leader, is what Hugh Freeze said yesterday in his press conference. Keontae's a leader in the back end of the defense. And he was also your starting punt returner. Which, if you don't understand how impactful that is, look what happened when he was not in the ballgame. Auburn fumbled a punt, and Sanford scored on it. Or scored because of it. Keontae Scott's injury, you are going to feel it. On this Auburn team and again we wish him the best of luck and a speedy recovery um, I hate that it happened to, to what is a really really good kid um, and we are working on getting a new player for me to talk to every week for Tiger Takes. but hopefully he's able to get back on the field at some point with that ankle injury had surgery yesterday and again we wish him nothing but the best but you also have guys like Cam Stutz to Tom Miller on the offensive line. Both of those guys got banged up on Saturday. We know that Jalen McLeod has still not been 100%. He didn't play very much. Javarius Johnson didn't play anything on as uh, receiver. I think Luke Deal got hurt. I think Jarquez got banged up. We know that Neremiah Pritchett still not healthy. Those are some big names, folks. Those are some big names that Auburn is having to deal with with injuries. Now, all of their injuries are different in severity. I think you will still see a handful of those guys playing this Saturday. But let me tell you this. If Auburn, A, can't get those guys healthy as quickly as possible, and B, if they can't, and I think I said this yesterday, if they can't get out of their own way, with the injury problem this is going to be a long SEC season for Auburn if you continue this trend with five and six guys getting hurt every every week math would tell you they're going to get down to barely having enough players to play the game of football but Auburn's not just losing random guys Auburn's losing some really good ones and you got to find a way to keep them healthy. I don't know what the problem is. I don't know what the issue is. I don't know if it's just unlucky or what. But Auburn can't afford to keep having guys get hurt like this. Because you know what you have to have to play in the SEC? You have to have depth. And Auburn has actually had it for the first couple of weeks. But that's starting to slim down a little bit. I hope they can get healthy. I hope they can stay healthy. Because you're going to need it this Saturday against Texas A&M, next Saturday against Georgia, and the entire SEC schedule. Hour number one in the books. Stay tuned. Hour number two coming up. I'll give you my SEC power rankings going into week four. Then Daryl Dapperich will join us on the phone lines talking about Auburn athletics. Give me a call. I'll start hour number two with you if you want to. 334 321 1390. Don't go anywhere. Hour number two coming up.
0: The following is an Auburn Network production.
1: You're on the line, here on ESPN 1067, Alberta Balaika Sports Leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two on the Tuesday edition of On The Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. I'm Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour of today's show, be sure you go and catch up with the podcast. You know where to find it at this point, right? ESPNAU.com in our podcast center or just search On The Line wherever you get your podcast um, Have had the latest uh, Braves Today podcast with uh, Ben Taylor, Lindsey Crosby getting you caught up on the Atlanta Braves so if you are unaware of what's going on, the Braves not playing their best baseball right now with the postseason on the horizon so uh, those two guys they break it down and and tell you what's going on and maybe don't flip out just yet about those Atlanta Braves so that was in the first hour Um, played a little bit of the Hugh Freeze press conference from yesterday broke that down talked about that plus also uh, talked about some of the injury problems well not some a lot of the injury problems that Auburn football is having right now and how that can affect the game this Saturday and how it can affect Auburn moving forward so again that was all in hour number one you can find that wherever you get your podcast just search on the line post a commercial free right after the show today here's what's coming up in hour number two I'm going to give you my SEC power rankings going into week four Uh, these have changed quite a bit um, from weeks past we've had some things change in the SEC a conference that hasn't been overly impressive so far and um, now that conference play really getting started this week, uh, we're going to learn a lot about if this conference is really just that bad or maybe it was just a slow start for for the SEC. So I'm going to give you my power rankings. We're going to do that coming up in just the next couple of minutes. Then at 3.30, Daryl Daprich will join me on the phone lines double deep as he joins me every Tuesday here on the show. So it uh, should be a lot of fun here in hour number two. What are your SEC power rankings? You don't have to give me all of them, but is there a team that you think is is better than most people are giving credit for? Who should be feeling good? Who should be worried going into week four of the college football season? And now, that, like I mentioned, conference play really opening up this weekend. So give me a call. I want to hear your thoughts. And if you agree, disagree with me, I'd want to hear from you. As well, 334-321-1390 3, 3, 3, 1, is the number to get you through to me. And um, if you haven't been here, when I do my power rankings, I do them a little bit different. Okay, I do these. This is not me ranking who I think is the best to the worst. That's not what this is. This is me ranking these teams based off of, A, how I feel about them. Right now, currently, how I feel about these teams And B, how I think they should be feeling and how their fan bases are feeling as of right now. Okay, so just because I put somebody at the top doesn't necessarily mean I think they're the best team. And just because I put them at the bottom doesn't mean I think they're necessarily the worst team. I'm just talking about the feeling around the program right now. Now, as we speak, so that's how I do it. Um, it's been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed doing this, and um, there have been some massive changes in this since literally just last week, some teams that picked up some wins um, that I didn't think they were going to, some teams losing some games that I just didn't think they were going to, and uh, just some big question marks around some of these programs. So let's jump into this because uh, we got a lot of teams to get through in the next 20 minutes or so. Starting at the bottom and working our way up, okay? SEC power rankings heading into week four. SEC play really getting started this weekend. Most teams are playing other SEC squads. Not all of them. I think there's a couple of games. There are a couple of teams this weekend uh, that are not playing SEC games, but you've had a couple teams already play one, right? Overall, looking at it this weekend, you've got one, two, three. Four, five, you have five SEC versus SEC matchups this weekend. Starting at the bottom in the SEC power rankings, going into week four, I've got Vanderbilt at the bottom, all right? And here's why. I've been, I've tried to hype up Vanderbilt as much as I possibly can. And I've been saying that they're going to get to a bowl game. But man, Clark Lee You can't lose to UNLV. You can't do it. You can't lose to UNLV when you wear the SEC on your on your jersey, man. That one hurt. That one hurt, and that's just that's one of those where if you did want to turn your program around, if you wanted to quit being Vanderbilt, that's a game you have to win because any other team in this conference would have went and won that game. Any of them, right now, even uh, anybody would have gone and won that game, except Vanderbilt. I got them at the bottom, and and, uh, maybe they're just Vanderbilt. (laughs) I mean, maybe there's just no changing that team and that program. They're sure trying, but maybe that's just where we stand right now. Moving into the rest of these power rankings, I have South Carolina at 13, and here's why. South Carolina, when you look at this team, they started out the year with that bad performance I don't want to call it a bad loss it was a bad performance against North Carolina then you come out and you have a 14 to 3 lead over Georgia at halftime on Saturday and you come out and just get waxed in the second half you are the only team in the SEC with a losing record the only team out of 14 which includes Vanderbilt South Carolina is the only team with a losing record at one and two I've got him near the bottom. The fan base can't be feeling great. I know Spencer Rattler is fantastic, but there's no supporting staff. There's not an offensive line that can help him out. The receivers aren't doing anything for him. I mean, if you're South Carolina and Shane Beamer, you had some hype coming into this thing, into this season, but here you are, and you're one and two, the only team with a losing record in the conference. So I've got them near the bottom as well. We'll get to these in a second. want to get to the phone lines, though. 334-321-1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with?
5: Hey, how you doing? This is Louis Battle. How
1: hey, man. Doing? How are you, man?
5: Doing good. Man, listen to you. You said it exactly right. I, I was expecting Vanderbilt to do <laughs> a little better against uh, UNLV, of course. Uh, that's a game. No different than Auburn going out to Cal. You know, certain games, you don't want to lose. uh. Everybody want to always have a little faith in in, in Vanderbilt, but mm-hmm. it always happened like it happened. Me playing, um, you know, and, and going to, Auburn, you know, me, you know, playing in the SEC, was back in 1993 on the undefeated team. I just think that, you know, Auburn got to get to a point to where when we go into this game this weekend at a College Station, that we got to hone in on tough football, uh Run game got to be clicking. No fumbles. Uh, the quarterback needs to know, do they read? In mm-hmm. the two-quarterback system, I see. But now I think it's time now to where, okay, we got packages for Ashford, but at the same time, we got to let this kid stay in there uh, that we got from Michigan State. We got to let him stay in there and throw the ball and kind of weather the storm when he get in the tight and see what type of quarterback he's going to end up being for.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's I think that's spot on, man, when it comes to Auburn. I think – with and you know, Hugh Freeze has talked about this this quote two quarterback system that we saw out in Berkeley, and and he said he didn't like it. Um, he said that you know he wasn't a fan of that, and he made it clear that we weren't going to do that. Him talking about Auburn that uh, they weren't going to do that anymore, and you saw that against Sanford where Peyton Thorne uh, was in there for ninety five percent of the football game, right? And I think that Robbie does have packages, but I'm a hundred percent with you, man. How. Peyton Thorne, you got to leave him in there. He's your guy. He's proven he's the best quarterback for Auburn right now. And I think in a big game on the road, even if he does struggle early, you've got to show some faith in him and show some confidence in him uh, because he's proven that he can play some really good football when he's on his game.
5: Exactly, exactly. I just don't want us to get away from that, and I'm pretty sure you know Coach Freeze is going to do what he got to do because that, that we finally got a coach that, that knows how to win and like to win and mm-hmm. love winning got to put these got in a situation to where, you know, hey, quarterback may have had two, three fears that wasn't good, but that doesn't mean he's not going to come out and light it up for three touchdowns in
2: the next three fears.
1: Right. And and I think something that's important too is, you know, through three games, Hugh Fries has brought up how Peyton Thorne, you know, game one, there were four or five decisions that, you know, wrong decisions that he made. And then against Cal, there were three or four decisions wrong that he made. And then on Saturday against Sanford, he only brought up the one and it was the interception in the end zone where he threw it into double coverage. So, he is getting better progressively, getting more comfortable as Peyton Thorne. And so um, I think that's a good sign for Auburn. And I think also Hugh Freeze, when he has mentioned how you know certain things are going to go the way he wants them, it sounds like Hugh Freeze, when he needs to, he has stepped in and told the offensive coaching staff, hey, we're not going to do it this way. We're going to do it this way. And I like that from the head coach.
5: I do, too. I love it. And that's what we needed for a long, long time. Uh you know, you just can't pat them on the back and say, "Coach, it's gonna be okay." No, you got to get in there and tell them, "Like, look, this is how we got to get this done." And I like what he said in that interview. You know, if you need help, ask me. Mm-hmm. And I, that's what we need. Need some tough love and be able to say what you got to say to them coaches and make them perform just the way that we want all these players to perform. So I've been hearing, what type of injuries? do we got? It's going to be kind of concerning for this coming up
1: week. Well, um, you got Keontae Scott who uh, had a pretty serious ankle injury and got surgery on it yesterday. So that's a big um, defensive loss and of course punt return loss as well. So uh, Keontae Scott's out for uh, the foreseeable future you had a lot of guys get banged up I don't know the severity of the injuries but I know Jarquez Hunter was in there Cam Stutz was in there to Tom Miller on the offensive line I know those guys didn't finish the game on Saturday against Sanford um, you're still waiting on guys like Nehemiah Pritchett and Jalen McLeod to get fully healthy on the defensive side and so um, as far as I know you've got Austin Keys who had this, the thumb surgery so he's out for a few weeks also but right. You know, right. when it comes to just super serious injuries, it sounds like only a couple of guys, but even those smaller, lingering ones can continue to get worse or, you know, just not get healthy as quickly now that you're starting SEC play. You know that.
5: Right. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely do that. I, no, I can't do that. With, no different. We were in the Alabama game. With, I you know, played with Stan White was there and Patrick Nick came in. You know, Patrick Nick was a great quarterback, but we never seen uh, uh, Terry put. Two quarterback system in there, so I I, I get it where it coming from. You got two dynamic quarterbacks, so my thing over there, you let the guy that's going to win you games there. so he can be a pocket passer. Mm-hmm. But we, on Saturday, get a kid can pull it out on the, on an RPO and, and run it too. Yeah, and you know you, you don't have to go eighty yards. We just need to get you twenty and thirty. Just them respect, it so when you do it, we can pull it and hit our deep ball. That's right. Uh, and I think that's what you know, Coach Reed's trying to get to. So I'm, I'm going to let you go, but I'm going to give a prediction.
1: Okay, what you got?
5: And if we run the ball, and our running backs, all three, if they run it, how this coach run it, and I, I got much respect for offensive line, a whole lot better from last year. Um, I'm, I'm thinking we can get them by by five.
1: Okay, Auburn by five. You got an actual score prediction for me?
5: I can actually say we can go 35-30.
1: Okay, 35-30. I like it. If Auburn puts up 35 points on the road on Saturday, they better win the football game. That's all I'm saying.
5: Yeah, but I'm thinking it's time now. It's time. And, and Coach Freeze knows He's got to pull all stops out. It's coming the weekend, every play that he got. And I'm thinking he's saying he's not doing play calling. I promise you, Saturday, he's going to do some.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I he think he'll he'll step in and he'll step in and make his voice heard. You better believe it. There's no doubt about yeah. that.
5: Yeah. I, I believe that too. Well, all right, bro. little hey man, I appreciate your show. I always listen to you, man. Every day I get off of work and uh head into the house and uh hey, keep up the great work, brother, and, and, and like I said, just enjoy hearing you, man. Talk I appreciate
1: that, you. man. I appreciate that a lot. Hey, call me back call me back again, man. I appreciate that. And that was a great phone call. I appreciate it, man.
5: Yes, sir. We'll do
1: that uh great call great call right there i love that man i love love having uh newer callers call in and give their perspective that time you know talking about auburn and um and talking about how if auburn runs the ball right if they do like he said if they do their job running the ball on saturday and like he said he gave a 35 30 prediction for auburn to win on saturday if auburn goes on the road and scores 35 points you better win the football game and um, I think I mean again, thirty-five points in an SEC game. I know offenses are better nowadays, but in this type of game, I think thirty-five points would definitely get it done. And I agree with you 100 percent man. Um, Auburn quarterback wise, leave Peyton Thorne in there. I mean, leave him in there. He has proven that he gives you the best chance to win as your starting quarterback. He has proven that. Not saying Robbie doesn't deserve to be on the field. Not saying Robbie doesn't have packages in place to get him in and be successful for him and be successful for Auburn. But Peyton Thorne's the guy. I mean, he's just the guy. And that's you have to leave him in there, get him reps, give him confidence. And I think Auburn has a good chance on Saturday. The injuries you're gonna feel them though, I'm telling you. And I hope we're gonna get an idea today. We're gonna go to practice. We got a viewing window at 4:30, as we do every Tuesday. Go over, um, see who's active, see who's not, um, and, and kind of get an update from there. So, hey, man, really appreciate the call. Great to hear from you. Uh, 334-321-1390 is the number to get you through to me. Gonna take a break. Come back. I'll continue uh, my SEC power rankings. Getting into week four, we'll fly through those really quickly, and then. Uh, Daryl Dapperidge will join us on the phones at 3.30. We'll get his thoughts on this Auburn football team coming out of the game against Sanford, getting ready for the SEC opener versus Texas A&M, and uh, should be a lot of fun. Daryl is so much fun, and he tells it like it is. Believe me on that. So that's what's coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on ESPN
0: 106.7. You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Online at ESPNAU.com or on the ESPN
1: 106.7 app. Well, let's continue on my SEC power rankings heading into week four of the college football season. Uh, And again, my power rankings are a little bit different than a lot of other people, and that's okay. And uh, if you agree, cool. If not, that's cool, too. Um, My power rankings are based on the feeling right now around the program from me. From the fan base, from just the standpoint of where they are right now at this point in the season, and so uh, I started off with uh, was starting from the bottom and working our way up. Vanderbilt at the bottom, South Carolina at thirteen, and again, this does not mean this is not me ranking the best to worst teams, actual team face to face, head to head. All right, there's a little bit of a difference here. This is just how I'm feeling about these programs what i'm hearing from the fan base and and just overall feeling about these programs right now based off of what we've seen so far okay vanderbilt at the bottom south carolina at 13 and the reason there they're the only team with a losing record in the conference and not just in the conference overall they're one and two they're the only one that has a losing record so far next i have mississippi state And this one hurts me. It really does. This one hurts me because um, if you've been listening to this show and listening to me for the last few weeks, I have been high on Mississippi State and I still am, but Saturday was Saturday, besides it being a beatdown by LSU, um, Mississippi State just, they, they got brought back down to earth a little bit. Not that they were on cloud nine by any means, but I just think you saw on Saturday the the difference in what the Mississippi State program is right now compared to what it used to be, um, especially on the offensive side of the football. I mean, they scored, what, 14 points on Saturday? That's just not... With a quarterback like Will Rogers, you've got to be able to score more than that, man. And LSU, I talked about this a, a little bit yesterday, they played perfect on the road you want to see how you win on the road in the SEC go watch what LSU did on Saturday to Mississippi State 10-0 in the first quarter they never looked back took the crowd out of it immediately got turnovers flying around the ball playing well on offense they played a perfect game and so Mississippi State is a good football team and I think Zach Arnett's a good head football coach but that performance on Saturday just didn't do it for me. I've got them down at number 12. This is where it starts to get a little dicey. I've got Alabama at number 11 in my power rankings, and here's why they are flipping out in Tuscaloosa right now. Flipping out. Why? They don't know who their quarterback is. We think it's going to be Jalen Milroe, but through three weeks, We've seen all three quarterbacks, and they haven't looked good. The offensive line is bad. The defense is not what we thought it was. And I don't think the coaching is what we think it is. It's not what it's been in the past. It's not what it's been. And you, hey, let me tell you this. Alabama fans are worried about this Ole Miss game this weekend. And they should be. Because Ole Miss has been playing pretty good football, in case you haven't noticed. So I've got Alabama down there low. Let me get through a couple more, and then we'll get back to the phone lines. I have Tennessee at 10. What was that against Florida? That's all I can say. What in the world? You've got a really talented quarterback in Joe Milton, and Tennessee just dropped an egg. I know you're on the road in the swamp. I know you haven't won there in, what, 20 years now? But come on, Tennessee. you got to have a better performance than that. you got to play better than that against a Florida team that was desperate for a win. Desperate for a win and you go in there and let Florida beat you in a game that Billy Napier had to have I think had to have it and credit to them they won the game Arkansas at nine for me how do you let BYU come to Fayetteville come to Fayetteville and beat you that team is nowhere near as talented as Arkansas is shouldn't even be close in talent, or coaching, and you're at home, and you let BYU come in there and beat you. What a bad loss for Arkansas. For a team playing in the SEC West that doesn't look as dominant as it has been in the past, everything's in front of you, and now you lose that game to BYU, what's your reward? You go on the road for a night game at LSU in Death Valley. Good luck. Good luck if you're Arkansas. I don't know what to tell you. You give up 38 points to BYU, you're going to lose. I've got them at 9. 7 and 8 could flip back and forth for me. I'm going to put Florida here at 8. And that's a big jump because I had them near the bottom or, or at the bottom last week. But they got a win they desperately needed. They got a win that they had to have. And credit to them. The first half looked good. They shut it all down in the second half. I don't know why they did that, but they still won the game. Graham Mertz actually looked halfway decent. And Florida and Billy Napier got a win that they had to have. And credit to them over a much more talented Tennessee team. I'm not going to say better because Tennessee hasn't looked good this year. Yeah, they got their big win over Virginia. They're 0-3, by the way. But credit to Florida and Billy Napier, who, I don't want to say it was a job-saving win, but it very well could be. It very well could be. What if this is the game that turns it all around for Billy Napier in Florida? Not saying it will be, but it could. I have Florida there at 8. I have Texas A&M at 7. That loss to Miami was not pretty. They turned it around. And the reason I've got them middle of the pack is... They have to play Auburn this weekend, and I think that Texas A&M should be worried about Auburn. I think A&M should be looking at the injuries for Auburn and looking at the fact that A&M's going to throw it all over the yard if Auburn doesn't figure out a way to stop it because they throw the ball a lot, and Auburn's got some big-time injuries in the back. So I think A&M's right there middle of the pack power ranking-wise. This would be a big win for them to get SEC play started. I have Auburn at six, and I have Auburn this high because while the vibes may not be overly great, especially with the things I've been talking about, injuries and stuff like that, Auburn's 3-0, and and there's very few teams in this conference that can say that. I have Auburn at six. I have Missouri at five. Again, this is not me ranking them best to worst. This is how I feel. Missouri is 3-0, and ladies and gentlemen, with a win over a top-15 team. You can't take that away from them. Put Missouri up there. Will they get brought back down to earth? Sure. But right now, they're 3-0 and and high on life. Kentucky at 4. They're undefeated. They haven't really done anything. But I'll put them up there just because you had to put them somewhere. I put Ole Miss at 3. Georgia at 2. I've got LSU right now at the top of the power rankings. Again, not because I think they're the best team, but they have bounced back tremendously after that bad Florida State game. And LSU has a chance to really get on a roll here as SEC play gets started for them. What if they figured it out this year? They've got Arkansas coming to town. They play Auburn in a couple of weeks. LSU has a chance to really get rolling. And what we thought by the beginning of the season where this was LSU's SEC West, that very well could be back in the the possibilities right now. Daryl Daprits joins me when we come back. We'll talk to him about the SEC and, of course, Auburn after Sanford and getting ready for Texas A&M this weekend. It's always a blast. Don't go anywhere.
0: You are on the line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins with you inside the Auburn Plaza Bar and Lounge Studio. And as he does every single Tuesday at 3.30, joining me on the phone lines, it's Double D, Daryl Dapperitz, the snack king himself. Daryl, happy Tuesday, brother. Hope all's well.
6: Man, love looking forward to Tuesdays. Love it. Love it. And uh, glad I could be on with you. So you're And especially... Should have joined you on site there. Sounds like a great location.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're uh, we're doing good. And, and look, man, uh, look, we knew going into this past week that it was going to be another fun day in the press box for us because we were bringing snacks. We learned that from mm. the week before but it just made it even better when we both pulled out the same bag of, of of snack mix. I don't even know, what is it, Gardito's or Gardetto's, however you say it. The, uh, yeah. seems like the fancy Chex mix is what I like to call it, but either way, we pulled it out at the same time, and look, I just knew something something special was about to happen. I didn't know what, but we knew it was going to be a good night.
6: They call that simpacotico, whatever that is, <laughs> when you're on the same page. And I stopped at a gas station and got mine, got there, and I was like, you got to be kidding me. Jacob's got an industrial-sized, Costco-sized bag of that, and I had a little one. And I thought, man, great minds think alike. So, yeah, we were, re- we were hunkered down, ready for uh, some serious footballing at that point.
1: Well, speaking of that football, um, what did you what you see on Saturday? In your opinion, Auburn gets the win over Sanford. Uh, score yeah, obviously it was it was a, a commanding win for Auburn. But injuries have have since been an issue. We know Auburn kind of got banged up in this game. Auburn came out throwing the ball all over the place. What's your takeaways from the win over Sanford on Saturday?
6: I like the offensive game plan. I like the strategy of throwing it all over the yard. I felt like that's what they needed to do for a couple reasons. Number one, it breeds confidence. You want your quarterback not playing musical chairs, getting pulled, looking over his shoulder. That rotation was starting not to to be effective and fluid. So letting Peyton Thorne stay out there in the red zone, letting him throw it 45 times, and really start establishing rhythm. It's all about muscle memory, reps, and confidence. I think that was a good, definitely, even though it's against an FCS school, and so many people in comments with podcasts and all that are, oh, it's against Sanford, it's against Sanford. Look, here's the deal. For a very long time, a variety of Auburn quarterbacks have played FCS schools every year. I mean, Auburn does it. They played Sanford in 2019. I was at the game. All right, Bo Nix was a freshman. So, They play FCS. I don't care if it's an FCS school. In 10 years, once in 10 years, has somebody thrown for over 200 and rushed for over 100 as an Auburn quarterback, and that was Nick Marshall in 2013. All those quarterbacks in the last 10 years that had opportunities against FCS schools didn't do it. On top of that, he was 18 yards away from throwing for 300 and rushing for 100, which shocked me that no Auburn quarterback in the history has ever done that. So... Look, we can people can, can can, you know, disparage the opponent and all that, but Auburn quarterbacks have had an opportunity to play schools like Sanford and FCS schools to this point. What Peyton Thorne did needs to be recognized, needs to be looked at and said it's a step in the right direction. Now there were some things I saw from a, a play calling standpoint or a decision standpoint that, you know, still needs to get cleaned up. I get it. There's an argument that Auburn would have played, called the game differently. They knew they had points. They knew they were going to score a lot of points. They wanted to work on the passing game, so they bypassed an easy touchdown from the one-yard line by throwing it three times. I get all that, and I hope that's the case. But big picture, it's exactly what Auburn needed from a quarterback perspective to gain some confidence going into Saturday.
1: And, Darrell, the big thing for me, and I've been talking about it these first two days of the week, is – the first three games, Hugh Freeze would talk about Peyton Thorne had you know four or five miscues here or, or wrong decisions, bad decisions, right? Then it was two and three. After this past Saturday, he said he made just one bad decision, and it was the, the second interception thrown into double coverage where he had two guys open and just missed them. And so can, is it fair to say that Peyton Thorne is, is getting better and more comfortable in this offense as Auburn looks towards Texas A&M?
6: Absolutely. Remember, he arrived in the summer. It takes a little bit of time to learn a new offense. Second of all, he's not getting jerked out every other series like what happened the first two games. I think, that, I think that establishes some consistency and some continuity when you can stay and get reps. He threw it 17 times against Cal, 38, 40 times against Samford. So that, to me, allows you to learn, start breeding your progressions, Start being comfortable in the offense because you're absolutely getting more reps. And when you get more reps, receivers get more targets. You start to feel comfortable. The, the play that you, Freeze, was talking about, you and I saw it in the press box when it happened. It wasn't so much that he threw in a double coverage, which was bad enough. It's that he missed a wide-open wide uh, Jair Shorter, who, if he threw it to him, would still be running underneath on that little drag route. Okay, that's, that is so easy to clean up. That is so easy to clean up when you talk about getting reps and you watch that on tape because later on in the game, as I noticed and you noticed, he started hitting the, the, the underneath stuff and mm-hmm. started to make better decisions and not force it down the field. Or he would, better yet, tuck it and run. Look, the, the fact that he's getting yards off RPO is one thing when it's designed run pass option. But something Auburn hasn't had since Bo Nix was back there That was a quarterback that could step back in the pocket when there's nothing going on downfield and all the safeties and linebackers have their heads turned covering receivers 15, 20 yards downfield and the field opens up for you and you can run a quarterback draw and take off. You know, the north-south vertical, the north-south vertical running game from the quarterback is something completely different than the RPO, which is east-west. And Bo Nix sealed a game against Arkansas. On a quarterback draw in 2021 on the road. It's a weapon that keeps defensive backs and linebackers honest because, like I said, they're looking, they're they're turning their hips and they're running downfield chasing receivers and tight ends, and that field's opened up. Well, you know what's going to happen. Sooner or later, they're going to put a spy on him, on Peyton Thorne. They're going to keep a linebacker in the middle of the field. And when they do that, receivers will get behind. Defensive players, behind yep. linebackers and safeties, and then that's when you can hit big plays. So right now, I like the picture poison option that Auburn's running with Peyton Thorne.
1: Daryl Dappert's joining us on the phone lines. He's with me every Tuesday at 3.30 here during On the Line on ESPN six seven. He makes weekly appearances with Zach Blackerby on Locked on Auburn. He makes appearances on radio shows all across the state of Alabama. Daryl, as we look towards week four of college football, Auburn's 3-0. And there's not a ton of teams, even in this conference, that can say that. And I know Auburn hasn't had the the most difficult stretch of games to open the season. But they are 3-0, and going on the road for the first time in SEC play to play a Texas A&M team. And before we get to the A&M themselves, you were telling me before we got on here what this game means and what it represents for the season as a whole. What is that?
6: It's one of those games that... This is so strange to say, and this is so anti-coach speak, but it's one of those games that I feel like the result is more just counts for more than one game, meaning if you win this game, I think it's, it counts for more than one win down the road. Or if you lose this game, look, it's not the end of the season or it doesn't make your season either way. But the reason why it's so important is because it's the first in a four-game stretch, which is the toughest part of Auburn's schedule. Period. I don't have to say it. You freezes said it. You play Texas a Georgia, LSU, Ole Miss. I have said from the beginning that you better be Cal on the road and you better win one of these next four if you want to have a chance to win eight games. So let's say Auburn comes out of this gauntlet four and three. Okay, they lose three of the next four. People don't need to panic. The last five games, Jacob, are very, Mm-hmm. i'm not saying they're gonna win them i'm saying they're probably going to be favored in most of those and they're very winnable so if you go four and three if you win one of these games and then you win you know four of your last five which is very feasible bam you're at eight wins if albert was to 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 kind of shock the world and split these next four then you're very, very much looking at the reality of possibly a nine-win season. So that's why this one's big. You lose this one, then you got to come back and play Georgia, LSU, and Ole Miss and hope that you win one of those three. You get this one out of the way, you're playing with house money. So I think it sets up the season very nicely and the, the ebbs and flows of the season with this particular game and winning or losing it.
1: What about this Texas A&M team can you tell us based off of what you've seen so far this season and how they stack up uh, against Auburn? We know that A&M, they're going to throw the ball uh, a lot. They throw it more than they run it, uh, Darrell. And so uh, what can you tell us about this Texas A&M team that maybe concerns you and that Auburn should be concerned about come Saturday?
6: I think the one thing that concerns me is Petrino and his ability to you know, dial up a really, really effective offensive scheme and offensive game plan. He's a, he's a very good offensive coordinator. The other thing is that Texas A&M, if they start ever playing to their potential and get coached properly, that, that roster is littered with five stars. At some point, the switch, the light switch, is going to come on, and they're going to start playing like five stars. It's Their, their talent, that, that concerns me. But the two things that I'm very optimistic about is that what Texas A&M isn't very good at or what they are very good at, plays it into Auburn's strengths on both sides of the ball. Texas A&M's pass defense has not been good at all, okay? So with Auburn kind of getting it cranked up against Sanford and looking to get more, you know, points and yards through the air, Texas A&M's pass defense may just be what the doctor ordered back-to-back weeks after what they did with Sanford, Hmm. okay? That's number one. Number two, they throw it pretty well with Wegman. And, and Auburn's strength right now, and their best room, position room, even though they've got some guys banged up, is the defensive backfield. So if they try to go air raid and throw it all over the yard, I, I'm a little concerned about Auburn getting pressure. If Wegman has all day, I don't care what kind of secondary you have, he's you know it's going to be tough to cover guys. But DJ James and Pritchett coming back, and Kaufman coming back, uh, Jalen Simpson has emerged as an All SEC caliber safety. I like the fact that Texas A&M is probably going to throw it 40 times. And, yeah, Wegman's going to get his yards, but I think Auburn's going to have an opportunity to get some big game-changing momentum turnovers. And then on the other side of the ball, I think Auburn's going to have a chance to hit some deep balls against that A&M secondary.
1: Do the, the injuries worry you with with Keontae Scott being out for the foreseeable future, having surgery yesterday? Um, we know we're still waiting on McLeod to fully get healthy. I know you mentioned Pritchett, if he can get back in there uh, and start playing, and then offensively, uh, we know Jarquez had some issues on Saturday, Cam Stutz, Tuta Miller, uh, just guys all over the field, Daryl, that are, are getting hurt for Auburn. Has that concerned you in this game and moving forward?
6: It does, because of a depth stand for it. Javarius Johnson's another guy that can play. I think that, you know, when you look at Jalen McLeod, just signaling, isolating on him, his best game as a collegiate came against Texas A&M last year when he was playing for Appalachian State. So you want to have him. You want to let him eat on Saturday. Javarius Johnson's your backup punt returner, with Keontae Scott being out. You know, I think Kaufman can fill in admirably – at that star, we already seen that he can. Coffin's played really good until he sat out with a concussion. Can Javarius Johnson not only on the pass game in the slot, uh, you know, because Jay Fair's been playing so well? Can he be that punt returner? So yeah, I think Stutz right now Stutz is the guy that I'm most concerned about because I think he changes the whole dynamic of that offensive line if you start plug and play and rotating people. So I want to see Stutz and McLeod. I'd Stutz and McLeod and Pritchett. It's just those three come back healthy with the other guys we think are going to play i think it's a huge shot of the arm for auburn
1: we'll have a media viewing window coming up at 4:30 over at the practice facility so hopefully uh, we'll get a chance to see some of those guys at least practicing and maybe give us a better idea of what we'll see and who we'll see come saturday daryl dappert's joining me on the phone lines he is a guest on locked on auburn and bunch of shows around the state on sports talk talking auburn football daryl for auburn to go on the road this Saturday against Texas A&M, SEC opener, 11 a.m. kick. Um, It's not the first road game of the year, so Auburn has that going for them. But what do they have to do to get a win? And I know it's early in the week, but do you have a prediction for me?
6: Yes. First of all, what they have to do to get a win is they have to show balance on offense. So I'm thinking that obviously they're still going to have to run the ball when they need to run the ball. Sanford concerned me a little bit how they loaded the box and took that away. Auburn's going to have to have some balance. They're going to have to throw it. As efficiently as they run it, I want to see some balance. Secondly, they got to win the turnover battle. Okay, they've got to win the turnover battle and force Wegman into a couple of picks. I don't know what they're going to do from a rushing standpoint, as far as the passer and sacking, but also the third key to the game is Auburn has excelled at special teams. McPherson's been money. They've had a pretty good return game. So look to see if those things happen. You know, early in the year, the prediction was I had Auburn losing this game at A&M at SEC media days. The way the season's played out, I think this is going to be a very, very close game, and I think Auburn wins this game 31-27
1: wow okay okay daryl we'll see how it goes i think it'll be a good game as well i'm 11 a.m kick and look people like to say that benefits the road team so we'll see how it goes uh daryl dapper joining me here on the phone lines as he does every tuesday daryl always a pleasure man it's always great talking to you uh, of course in person in here on the show as well let everybody know where they can keep up with you and all the appearances you make throughout the week
6: Friday's Locked on Auburn every Friday morning with Zach Blackerby. We also do a reaction show after, the, after each Auburn football game that gets dropped on Sunday morning. And then Monday mornings, seven ten with our good friend uh, Ben Taylor at WANI.
1: Daryl Dapperich, as always, brother, I appreciate you. And uh, we'll be talking between now and then. And then, of course, we we'll will. have you back on on Tuesday.
6: All right, man. Have a great week. Brother. Thanks, you
1: too, man. Daryl Dappert's joining me here during On the Line on ESPN 106.7. Great friend of mine. Um, he, he talks Auburn football better than most, and so I always love getting him on. He always has interesting perspectives, and how about him saying this is a critical game for Auburn? And I agree with him. I absolutely agree with him. This is a big-time game for Auburn where if the Tigers can go and win on Saturday against Texas A&M, the next three games... A, don't look as scary, and B, I I say this and don't take it the wrong way, they don't mean as much because you're not going to be favored in these football games. And so if you can win against Texas A&M, a game that you're not favored, but I think you have a chance to win, look, it's going to be tough to beat Georgia. It's going to be tough to beat LSU on the road. And if Ole Miss keeps playing the way they are, it's going to be tough to beat Ole Miss. Good thing is, you get two of those games at home in Jordan-Hare Stadium. But Saturday against Texas A&M is a big, big, big opportunity for Auburn if they want to get to eight or possibly even nine wins in 2023. We'll take our final break, come back, and wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line before Bill and Dan take over for The Drive. All that coming up here on ESPN 106.7.
0: You are on the line.
1: Winding down here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Big thank you to Daryl Daprich as always. Double D joining me on Tuesdays at 3:30, talking Auburn football, talking a little life as well, and uh, just a, a great man. Um, I've just I say this all the time. I've really gotten, uh, really loved getting to know uh, Daryl through radio and on and outside the studio as well, covering games with him at Auburn and just hanging out with him. And so great guy. Go check him out again. He's on Locked on Auburn on. Fridays with Zach Blackerby. They do the reaction show after every game as well. And Daryl's all over the place with radio shows because he's just that good. So go check him out on Twitter as well. And uh, if you missed any of today's show, be sure to go and catch the podcast. Posted commercial-free right after every single show. So be sure uh, you go and do that. ESPNAU.com is where uh, you can find it. Again, post a commercial free after the show. You can also just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. We had Braves Today podcast audio today. Played a little bit of Hugh Freeze's press conference and talked about what he had to say uh, and uh, what it means for Auburn moving forward with some of these injuries. Gave you my SEC power rankings going into week four and then talked to Daryl Dappridge on the phone. So great show once again tomorrow is rivalry wednesday we'll have jordan hill of dogs 247 and austin hannon of bama central to get you caught up on the dogs and the crimson tide plus we'll talk about the notes from practice i'm going over there right now to see auburn's practice the viewing window that we get on tuesdays we'll talk about what i saw um and and what the updates are on this football team as they get ready for Texas A&M. But don't go anywhere. Bill and Dan take over. Dan will be at practice. He'll call in and talk about that as well, and Bill will be here in the studio. So don't go anywhere. The Drive coming up here on ESPN 106.7 until tomorrow, 2-4, to right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader. I'm Jacob Goins. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later.